Okay, welcome to a Virial USA podcast, a quick hit after a big win, and I'm joined by someone who is not going to be as happy as I am about the result, um, but my friend Jeremy from Into the Calderon and the Coltonero chat. I had a nice chat with him on his podcast um, Friday previewing the match, and um, we were all we both said how it was going to be really exciting, and um, it did turn out to be, but maybe not in the way we thought, would you say? More exciting for you than for me, Alan. Yeah. Yeah, we we have both we have both to be fair predicted a two two draw or a one one draw, mm-hmm. and uh, and I have to say in the first half um, that first half reminded me a lot of the first half of the Champions League final last year where I think if if uh, if it had been us and Real Madrid and we were playing that way, you know how it worked. It was like, well, they're just going to come back and win. Um, I thought you guys were really on the back foot most of the first half. Yes, we definitely were. And I am really curious to see how Diego Simeone rationalizes or or justifies the approach that we we took in this game. Um, Because I was watching this, and I I could tell very early, 10, 15, 20 minutes in, that this is going to plan for Unai Emery. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just like Torres and Albiol we're just delighted to keep the ball at the back and wait patiently, pass it slowly around. I think about half an hour in, Alan, uh, Villarreal had 70% possession. Yes, uh, yes. Because pressing was not coordinated. It was not cohesive. Very little uh, aggression in terms of trying to win the ball back in midfield. And, you know, when you sit that deep for that long, eventually it's going to cost you, whether it's an individual mistake, a structural mistake, you miss chances at the other end, Uh Football does not forgive, especially in a high-quality match against a high-quality team. Yeah, it, it was. It did seem a bit as though when it the first half was played at a very slow tempo, most of it. And I think that, I mean, I know it was hot, um, but I think that really favored us. Um, and it, yeah, it just seemed like there was a there were long periods of time where we were essentially just, okay, well, we'll play it out this way. Oh, it didn't work. Okay, we'll play it back again. It was just probing and probing, but there was no, as you say, there was no coordinated pressing from Atleti, and it was very surprising. Um, I thought, in spite of that, that you, we didn't necessarily um, create as much as we could have, but we had two really good chances, I mean, especially the La Celso, actually three. We had the La Celso shot that was palmed away by Oblak that was a really nice save. And earlier, I guess, there was the scramble for the ball in the box. And who was it? Capu that shot? I can't remember who it was. Um, that Oblak palmed away. And then there was the one moment of controversy in the first half, the Gerard Moreno goal that was waved off for um, a handball on mm-hmm. the where he hit the the ball came off the bar and and hit his hand. And I guess in sort of a preview of something that would happen in the second half, it didn't seem to go to VAR. The ref just sort of waved play on. Yeah, he he certainly did. Um, And I I didn't see it in live time that uh, Gerard kind of knocked it down with his forearm, but he did. It's a fair call. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And and I think more galling is that Atletico have had like a decade to learn how to defend Danny Parejo's set pieces, and they still haven't learned how to do that. Every time we have played either Valencia or Villarreal in like the last seven, eight, ten years, Parejo has created 
at least one golden opportunity through his set piece delivery, whether it's a free kick or a corner, because he's just that good. Yeah. I think if I saw the stat correctly, Alan, he completed 98% of his passes today, which is absurd. Yes, yes. But again, so but again, that does point to the lack of pressing. Um, I think they're really – it just didn't feel like we were put under pressure as much in the first half as I expected we would be. And I, I expect that at the break, Simeone t- talked about that. But that was um, – my feeling was we probably should have gone into the first half a goal up or easily could have. Mm-hmm. Um, but – and frankly, I guess until at the last five or ten minutes of the first half, it seemed like um, basically your offense was Felix trying to cross the ball for Murata. Yeah, that, that was the, uh, I think, dominant element of our offensive game plan, which usually isn't a bad idea to involve mm-hmm. Joe Felix, who is probably our most innately talented player, uh, to involve him, yep. whether dropping deep behind, uh, behind the forward line, whether he's playing off Murata's shoulder, or whether he's hunting chances in the box. I think what helped turn our fortunes around slightly, although not uh, for a very lengthy period of time, is that we involved Tomalema and Yannick Carrasco a bit more after the half-an-hour mark. Yes. Uh, the, the Gerard shot off the bar and subsequent handball. That woke us up a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We involved Carrasco and Lema a bit more. Lema was, I think, pretty good in this game, but did too much defensive work. And Carrasco, I think, did what he could, but that's a tough individual matchup. When we talked on Friday, Alan, about Juan Foyth and whether he's staying or going, mm-hmm. uh, really hope for Villarreal's sake he stays because he's yes. a very talented player and so sturdy and solid defensively. I don't think he got beat once today. Carrasco kept trying to go inside, go outside, go through him. And that's a 1v1 matchup that, in most cases, Atletico have to have because Carrasco is so important to us. He can do so much on the ball. He's so electric at the ball at his feet. Even if his end product sometimes lets him down, he's very important individually to, to making this work. And when he gets shut down, uh, it's t- it's been tough in previous years for us to compensate, and it was the same tonight. Yes, I um, remembered... I remember us talking about that being a key matchup. And so when I saw that um, Foyth was in the starting lineup because he had missed out um, on Thursday with a injury or something, I was really um, happy about that because I thought that really would help us. And he was, um, he was excellent. No question. Um, yeah. I thought that uh, uh, after the, I guess around the hour mark was when, uh, Cholo decided to really change it up, and and you know, it was, I think everybody expected this, but it was like, okay, so what I've been trying to do isn't really working that well. Let me make some changes, and that's when um, Griezmann, with his uh, green hair, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Rodrigo de Paul came on, um, and uh, Lamar went off, and he had, he had played, as you say, quite well, but I think. If I'm not mistaken, the best chance and the most controversial chance that you guys had came almost immediately um, after those substitutions and also Correa and uh, Cunha coming on for for Felix and Morata. Um, that sort of signified a change of, of your approach to being a little, maybe a little less direct and a little more technical in the box, and that seemed to seem to come close to paying dividends. Uh, I do think that Ruli clawed that uh, ball out before all of, it, all of it was over the line, but boy, it was close. 
Oh, I was about... I've seen a, a few more angles since then. The angle that we're really missing is the overhead angle. I still haven't seen a clear yeah, shot. Yeah. Maybe you have, but I was about 70% sure it, it was over the line. And, and if, if it wasn't, you know, hats, to, hats off to him. Uh, we, we talked a little bit also on, on the preview show about how Rui's kind of an inconsistent keeper. I think he's just as capable of making brilliant saves like that as he is making howlers, and today was his day. Yeah, uh, yeah great I, I, think, I think he and Foyth were probably our two men of the match to me. Um, <laughs> I thought Rui played really well and had a couple of key saves, but that one, if it wasn't over the line, it wasn't over by, by a couple of inches because it certainly... You know, most of the wall was clearly over the line, but I was just surprised that it didn't even seem to go to VAR or anything. I mean, the referee just waved play on, and um, that was that was weird. <laughs> and not not even a review for, and if it was, it was a very short review. But not even a review for that is, yeah. you know, typical Spanish refereeing, I guess. But really bonkers that that the the review for the the Gerard goal that was waved off that was a longer review. Yeah. And that, it was clearer that there was something that went on there than there was with the, the Carrasco header about 15 minutes from time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I, yeah, there were, definitely we were, I think in the, in the first part of the second half, we were pretty much living dangerously. And then we got, um, our goal was really, I guess, our first opportunity of the second half. And that was set up by a couple of break of counterattacks where you guys were pushing everybody forward and Jackson and Gerard got loose. The first one didn't link up very well or Jackson lost the ball. The second one, he, um, he did make a pretty impressive shot. Actually, <laughs> I was surprised he was able to get it away that that went out for a corner and off that corner, in a way, is where we scored um, off an Atleti error. And and Jeremy Pino making a, I think the expected goal I saw saw for that shot was something like point zero seven. So it was it was it really that low? Yeah, that's what that's what one thing said. I thought it was a little better than that, but um, ah, it was a giveaway. It was a straight gift to it was, Jeremy it was, Pino. Yeah, it was a straight gift, but um, but but he had to kind of put it across Oblak and nestle it inside the far post which which is interesting because i want to ask you this about oblak because both of our goals were very similar right i mean gerard's goal right at the end was sort of the same thing i'm going to shoot to the far corner um of the keeper far corner low and just put put it in the far post and i it was interesting because i think the other shots that he saved were pretty much all there was a shot from Morales uh, late on that he that he um, that he parried. He, he seemed much more comfortable in parrying shots than he did in diving for them. Yeah, that's Oblak's tendency is uh, to rely on his reflexes, his athleticism, both of which are you know just top notch. He's made so many reaction and reflex saves mm -hmm. because our defense over the last five years we've had a lot of changes. Uh, this is not the Godin, Miranda, Felipe, Luis, Juanfran defense anymore. We haven't been that staunch defensively in quite some time, despite our goals conceded numbers, other than last year, remaining pretty low in La Liga. It's really down to Oblak just bailing us out, making these crazy reaction saves inside the six-yard box. Uh, but yeah, he. I think the, the two weak points to his game are 
you know, his lateral mobility in the penalty area, trying to scratch a, a ball out by diving forward at the fall at the far post. Which, you know, to be fair, that that's tough when your defense says is just leaking on the counterattack, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and you're a, a little low on confidence anyway. Oblak's distribution also hasn't been all that stellar throughout his career, right. and really good modern day keepers can distribute the ball. Like the best teams have very good sweeper keepers, guys who can reliably distribute the ball over some distance and help your team play out from the back. That's never been Oblak's strength. Right. Uh, right. I wouldn't say he's a pure shot stopper, Alan, but it's, it's clearly the standout portion of his repertoire. He can see, he can come up typically can come up with with such outrageous and outstanding saves. But yeah, he's someone who much more prefers to parry a shot over the bar or come out and grab it rather than die for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I um, I thought that the that probably your top player was uh, Axel Witzel, right? I mean, he he was. In the center of your defense, I thought he was a player that um, had a very good game. It, it, he was especially important as the game opened up. I mean, I think it was one of those classic things where you knew the game would open up once there was a goal, and and once once the goal was very was very close. And um, I thought he had a very good game. Um, and other than that, I mean, I don't know who do you who do you who would you say played well? Um, Correa after he came on, um, I don't know. How would yeah. how would you? No one really. <laughs> no one really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, not not a game where I'm typically going to dole out many compliments. Uh, but you're right about Vitzel. Um, I've been impressed with him so far. It's very early days, obviously, but he's been playing in central defense throughout the preseason and now for 180 minutes in La Liga. It is at least partially true, I think, that Simeone values him as a center back because of the Achilles injury he suffered about a year and a half ago that kind of sapped his mobility, and also because his distribution and passing range are both really good. And mm-hmm. we have, for years, had difficulties getting the ball out of the back. Uh, right. Mario also is our best ball-playing center back, but it turns out he can't defend at all, so he doesn't play. Uh, with Witzel, he's very calm and composed. He's a player who's really seen everything at national level, Mm-hmm. Uh, at domestic level for the clubs he's played for in a number of different countries. So Bitzel's turned out to already be a pretty valuable signing, uh, and I'm not sure if an entire season he can hold up in central defense. But, you know, he offers a lot of security and maturity and just very composed under pressure. This is obviously Villarreal's a step up from Hitafe, but I thought he handled the speed and, and the pace of your guys' most creative players. I thought he handled it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Correa should have come on a lot earlier than he did. I think the minutes distribution is still kind of unfair for him. Atletico are still carrying five forwards in a 22-man squad. For the second year running, we have more forwards than central defenders, <laughs> which is not great. Right. Um, in Correa, I thought in his 20 minutes, he created a couple of chances. I thought he moved really well in tight spaces, which we could have used about... 10, 15, 20 minutes earlier than yes, than I I think that I think that in a lot of ways that our first goal was sort of a sucker punch because it felt like the crowd were getting were you know the first half yeah Virial dominated it didn't wasn't able to score but it seemed like the first part of the second half we were starting to get back on our heels a little bit and then that goal really um, deflated people I think. Partly the fact that it was against the run of play, and partly that it came from a 
defensive error. Um, yeah. I think that was it's uh, that was pretty interesting. And then after that, I have to say the last um, maybe what five minutes of regulation plus the um, plus the uh, added time. Then we saw the old <laughs> Atleti come back a bit. I mean, I, I and both sides really. I mean, it seemed like both sides were trying to con the referee into whatever. There were players falling around, and uh, and I, for the life of me, I just don't understand how you can um, uh, give a give a player a basically a a closed fist to the to the neck the way Molina did and think somebody's not going to see it. That was just stupid. Yeah. It was I mean, bad, that uh, was really, really mature really and shows a lack of experience. And the Molina situation is going to make or break Atletico's season because he's the only natural right wing back we have in the squad mm. uh, because our squad planning is, is still not very good. And there's a lot riding on this. Uh, he was pretty highly rated coming out of Boca Juniors' system, and he played very well at Udinese in the past couple of years. But th- this is a whole different ballgame, Alan. You know, yeah, La Liga's yeah. a, a tougher league. Uh, it's a huge step up to go from mid-table Serie A to top three possible title contender, possible Champions League contender. That's a huge jump, mm-hmm. and it's all him. There's really no serious competition for his position because Daniel Voss has gone back to Denmark, and Atletico have opted not to sign another right back, which mm-hmm. sadly is not surprising. Uh, so it's really all down to him, and Atleti are going to sink or swim based on not exclusively Molina's form, but it's going to be a huge part of the equation in terms of how successful we're going to be this year. Uh, it's obviously very early days, but the very early returns say maybe we should look for some more right back insurance. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's young. He's obviously very talented, um, but this is all new for him. Uh, the connection with Marco Chirente is not there. It's certainly not close to the level that Kieran Trippier uh, had with him that connection was severed a year uh, a year ago, and we haven't found it since. Mm-hmm. So Molina's going to have a lot of growing pains, and Atletico are going to sink or swim in part because of them. Uh, he's going to be gone for at least the next game. We go to Mestaya next weekend. That game's not easy, like, ever. Mm-hmm. So is mm-hmm. going to play there next weekend, and we'll see what happens after that. But, yeah, it, it's not a, a good start. I was thinking after the game, I can't really remember a worse home debut under Simeone. Uh, Lodi got sent off in the home opener a few years ago against Hitafe uh, in the first half. That was pretty bad. But, you know, yeah. to give, give away the opening goal and then get sent off for yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah. Punch neck to the neck, that's a bad one. Yeah, that's not the, that's not the kind of double that you want to pull. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that I, I think watching the match from a Virial perspective, the one thing that was really impressive to me is – I don't know. This team seems so much more focused than <laughs> the, the team that gave up the late goal a year ago. I, I, um, I just felt like, and maybe part of it was that Atleti just sort of let us play our own game pretty early on. But um, I think Foyth and Pedraza on the left side did a good job too. Um, I just yeah, thought our back four was was really was really pretty strong and protected the lead well and really had a had a great match. I mean this is the second match in a row that he's played really well and so that was that was great. Um, I have to say I don't I don't think until the goal at the end Gerard had a particularly good day. Um, 
Jackson, I think, showed flashes of why we're so high on him. But I do think that Witzel kind of put him in his pocket for for uh, some portions of of the match too. Um, yeah, but I thought overall, from the from the Villarreal perspective, there wasn't much to criticize. I think we were we were um, certainly the better team in the first half, and in the second half, probably fairly even overall. Maybe we, I think we probably if we'd gotten our first goal in the first half, it would have felt a little more similar to the way the the match actually was. But, you know, and of course there are always a couple of talking points like, you know, the, was that one ball in or out or in, over the line or not? And, you know, there's always some of that. Um, uh, Felix uh, got away with, a, I think correctly so, a yellow card for his his uh, play on Albiol early in the second half. Yeah, the two-footed kind of slide yeah, tackle. Yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of bad. But as but as somebody pointed out, you know, none of the benches erupted or anything like that. It's probably the kind of tackle that, that if it had happened, you know, you know, late on in the match, maybe that would have been a red. But as it was, it was like, and and Albiol didn't seem to make a big deal out of it either. So, yeah, yeah. yellow card was fair there, and I, I and I think you're pretty spot on about Villarreal. I thought that. Their performance was very good. I thought Emery's plan was a lot clearer. This is his first ever win over Simeone. Yes, and I think yes. More than deserved. I thought the plan was very pragmatic. It made a lot of sense. And I, I think Atletico played directly into Villarreal's hands by just letting him play in the first half, building that confidence, moving the ball around, getting everybody involved. And I think we were much more afraid of trying to properly defend uh, Nico Jackson, Lachelso. Gerard, and I think we were much more afraid of Villarreal's most skilled and most creative guys, mm-hmm. and it came at the expense of us playing our game. And when we did get more aggressive, that's when Villarreal, as you said, sucker punched sucker us. Sucker punches. Yeah, and I thought I, I thought Jeremy was um, was very. I mean, in the first half, he was pretty dangerous too. And I and yeah, it just seemed as though Atleti lacked some confidence in going forward. Um, that in the end burned them and I and while I think I understood the substitutions of uh, of uh, taking off Morata and Felix I kind of think you know when you take Felix Joao Felix off that you're losing one of your more creative players and I wasn't I wasn't sorry to see him subbed (laughs) (laughs) I I bet you weren't yeah uh, I thought taking off Joao at that point in the game it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, the, the good news from from a, a squad-building point of view is that we do have a lot of options in, in, at forward and at midfield. We just don't have many reliable central defense options, which is why Simeone has had to reconvert Witzel and Reynildo basically into central defenders. We'll yeah. see if that yeah. is sustainable over the course of what's going to be a very long season with the World Cup in the middle. But, you know, as I said, I think Correa should have come on earlier. Uh, Cunha, I, I, I love his energy and his intensity. He is, I, I think he should be starting over Murata. As impressed as I've been with Murata's start to the season, I think Cunha is a much better fit for what we should be doing, for how we should be approaching mm-hmm. a lot of these games, pressing high, trying to recover the ball in more advantageous areas of the pitch. In the first half today, we were recovering the ball at a decent clip, but it was so deep in our defensive third, we couldn't do anything with the ball. Yes, yes. I, it seemed to me that in the first half we were essentially taking our time playing out of our half. There was never any pressure on the ball until we got to midfield, 
and then mm-hmm. usually the turnover tended to be between the penalty area and midfield. And, and it was so weird because we played pretty much the exact opposite against Hitachi on Monday. <laughs> we had at least half a dozen high recoveries in that game. Yeah. Uh, one of the three goals was created directly by winning the ball high up near the penalty area. The other two were also off giveaways and counterattacks. Um, and yeah. Jao Felix assisted all three of them because of his insistence and his and the direction to press high. That, for some strange reason, completely went out the window today. I think because we gave too much respect and we were too afraid of getting burned yes. uh, in yes. transition, which we did anyway. Right. In the second half, so why not just come out and, and approach the game uh, from an, an attacking perspective? Why not just try to press high and, and press Geronimo Rulli as well? That was something that one of our, our Twitter followers pointed out uh, at halftime, is that in the game at the Metropolitano last year, Alan, our pressing was very high up the pitch and yes. very like maniacal. We pressed Rulli and we pressed in the penalty area a lot, a and lot. it created a lot of good chances in that game. Mm-hmm. It was completely the opposite this year, and I am really curious to see Simeone's justification for this strategy, if there is one. Yes, because it really didn't, it, it did not make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I think you know, watching Virial, if I'm thinking about what is what is our weakness, well, you really do want to press hard um, <laughs> um, up up high because if you can get if you can get the turnover there, um, you know that's that's a, you're going to create some good opportunities. Um, I think that we are not. I think one of the things that was different about today with Lo Celso in the lineup is that sometimes when we've played, we've been really slow in midfield and, and have lacked somebody who can who can really create things. We've, when we've had Parejo, Capu, and um, and Coquelin all on the pitch at the same time, that that's what's tended to happen. Um, and so I think it was important today that we had Lo Celso out there and he made a couple of, um, I mean, not only did he have the one shot that was saved, but he created a couple of other opportunities in the first half with his with his play. And I think that was really critical for us. So I was yeah. glad to see, you know, after all he played with us last year, so getting him again on loan, he, he seemed like he fit right in to the, to the team. So we said going in uh, on your podcast, we thought these could be two teams challenging for the top four. I didn't see anything to change that. Not at all. Uh, if you guys keep this squad together, I think it is going to get top four. This is a very good Real team. A bunch of dynamic options. Um, I have a little bit of concern over your defensive depth, Alan, but mm-hmm. is, despite his inconsistency, I think Ruli is good enough to, to tend goal for a top four team. Um, a very industrious midfield with Capu and Parejo, that is, uh, and especially in Parejo's case, very classy on the ball. And Lachelso returning offers a lot of creativity uh, that y'all didn't have in the first half of last season. The full season of Lachelso there could be could be pretty nice. And plus, a healthy Gerard Moreno, uh, Nico Jackson playing what appears to be a pretty prominent role. Chequesi is a burner off the bench. Mm-hmm. Baena developing nicely, uh, scored two goals against Valladolid and provoked a red card today. You have Morales who can come in as a late game option. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think Villarreal are, are really a solid team, and Atletico will be looking kind of cautiously over their shoulder um, because I, I don't think, based on this display, our rivals aren't going to be Barca and Madrid this year. 
our rivals are going to be teams like Villarreal, Betis, maybe Sevilla. We have to play a lot better than this if we want to get closer to the top two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I hear you with that. And I think for I think for Villarreal it was it was sort of a nice statement game. Um, not just that. I mean, yeah, first time Emery's beaten Simeone. Yep. Um, first time we've we've gone in and. I mean, you know, we go into to the Metropolitano. We, we, we could have easily treated it as, as a house of horrors after what happened there last year. Uh, <laughs> and instead, we, we come out with three points, and, you know, and that's, that's great. I think we played, we played well. Um, you know, if we ever get Danjuma back on the pitch, that's another, that's another option that we have. So I think, yeah, things look, things look, look good, um, and... It was nice to uh, it was nice to come away with a win against a against a very good team, and I think sometimes yeah I know you you got I know you are feeling like you didn't play play particularly well, but sometimes that's when you play another very good team. Sometimes that happens, and I I still think at the end of the year um, you're going to be looking at at a top four, but um, challenging for the top four anyway, but. You know, we'll see. I'm Betis, and and uh, as we talked about, I think are, are probably the club that I would say is going to be in there with shout as well. Yeah, uh, two wins for them so far this year. Uh, they, uh, I thought they weren't as good against Mallorca as they were against Elche, but uh, that could be Salmoish could be a tough place to go. So that's a nice one to have in your back pocket early in yeah, the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I I have concerns over Betis's depth too, particularly defensively. But their their starting eleven midfield going forward really is pretty good. Uh, right. You have Akir, Canales, Borja Iglesias. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've with, got they've got a good they've got a good starting eleven anyway. Really good coach. Yep, really good coach who seems to have discovered the fountain of youth or something. I mean, he seems like yeah, he looks much younger now than he yeah did. he does, didn't he? Yeah, and um, and I think Sevilla. Meanwhile, <laughs> I have to say, I was thinking if you had talked about. Uh, a goalkeeper giving up a howler. Um, it wasn't Ruli. It was our ex-keeper um, Asenjo against Sevilla that sort of rescued them a point. But oh, it was horrible. But um, but yeah, Sevilla. Um, I don't know. I did see some talk that they may um, sign Raul de Tomas. But there's at least that's an option. Um, somebody reported that getting rid of the coach would be rather expensive. So they didn't expect that to happen. Yeah, I read that yesterday. A local reporter tweeted as part of a thread, I think his buyout is 12 million euro. Yeah, and it's like that's, you know, no, you're not going to do that. So If they can land Raleigh Tomas, though, that would be a very nice signing for them. Because uh, well, that's they, a guy who can go get you 15 goals, which is what they desperately they def- need. They need a, yeah, they definitely need a nine, and they need a center back or two also. But they definitely need somebody that can put the ball in the net so yeah very interesting times ahead if they can pull off that transfer and you know who knows alan there's still a couple of weeks left uh Villarreal could still do business atletico could still do business yeah. real madrid have done business as recently as a couple of days ago selling casemiro so we'll see we'll see yep and barcelona is still trying to register everybody <laughs> yeah they didn't register kunde in time for the la real game which is currently 1-1 so yep. maybe la real can help us out and get a point there yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Well, great talking to you, Jeremy. Um, and uh, what? How hot is it there? <laughs> very. The, the answer is yeah. very. Yeah, it's to be hot. in the summer where we stop keeping.
track. And it's only 94 today, um, but it, it's muggy. It's in oh, monsoon. Okay. We're in monsoon season right now. We get the summer storms. That can be pretty terrifying, depending on what part of Arizona you're in. Right. And it, it's 94 here. I mean, my wife and I went out walking this morning, and it was brutal. I mean, we, uh, well, so. you're just grilling. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So it's not it's not fun here either. Well, great talking to you. Good luck um, next week in the Mustaya. Uh, <laughs> that's always an interesting place to go. Yeah. And, thank you so much for having me, Alan. Yeah. And uh, oh, I, Gattuso and and Simeone, they always sell tickets for the sideline for that one. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> well, great having you, Jeremy. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Alan. Good to talk to you. All right. We'll talk to you later. Yep. Thank <laughs> you.